Okay, guys, so this week uh, we, we got some emails, and I'm actually shocked we didn't talk about it more in the Brew Pop episode. But when we're talking to Jerry Souders at uh, Brew Pop, we got into the talking about ciders and the wines that he's doing, and we kind of neglected those two things. We talked about the sodas, we talked about the beers, we talked about, and then we really mentioned that he's doing wine and ciders. So this week, um, it's been on the back burner for a while, and we've been wanting to do this episode for a while because I'll tell you, if it's local, if we've done an episode from anywhere from Central 28, 1010, uh, Hourglass, if you just go down the list of a lot of places in Orlando, the name Quantum Leap has popped up not too many times, actually, because you could. I really want you to get Quantum Leap everywhere. But they came up. And honestly, they are the most mentioned. Can't say brewery. They are a winery. But they kept popping up in every episode. So if it's a guest tap or something like that, they've been there. So really, why not do a cider? People have been asking about the cider episode. And then people said, you never really talked about the ciders in the episode with uh, Jerry. And it was, obviously it was a, close to a two hour episode. So we said to ourselves, okay, now not only has Quantum Leap come up in every episode, well, I mean not every, but a lot, a huge majority of our episodes, but also uh, Sad Myth, he's in the family. He really is. So we thought, what the hell? Uh, he's, so there's Norm, that we're going to talk to and Matt that we're going to talk to and Matt will explain hopefully he does of who uh, Sad Myth is and everything so we said let's go let's go to Quantum Leap let's give this episode a try and see what it's like so we've never done wine and we've never done ciders so why not go out a little bit and again try it we have to they're mentioned in so many episodes also guys we apologize about last week uh, with Brennan being out of town with the bus, I got really sick. I did. I got really sick about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And I had to cancel the interview. But we told you, 52 weeks, 52 breweries, we're not going to skip out. No way in hell. So this is not an extra one. This is actually part of the, the breweries. This will be numbered. But also, we have other stuff coming up. So today, this week, this Thursday, will be the Quantum Leap. And we promise you... Sometime in the next few weeks, we will drop one on a Tuesday just to kind of catch up. Also, uh, get ready for next week. We'll talk about it at the end. Let's just do that. Let's, let's talk about it in, in the outro because I'm really excited to get in here and, and, and interview these guys. Uh, Brennan, we still miss you. It is me, Quain. A uh, little tired, but guess what? I've done two, uh, two interviews this week already and uh, ready to keep going. So uh, next week is going to be incredible. But this week... I'm in my home, ciders and wines. I'm really excited, so this is going to be awesome. All right, guys, enjoy. I'm going in. So this is great. This is great. Um, because here we are in Orlando. N nobody would ever think that uh, wine could be something in Orlando like this. And then the cider. So I want to congratulate you guys because you. yeah, you. Quantum Leap, besides what you're doing here, you are the most mentioned of 
any brew or what we're what anybody's making here in Orlando on on this podcast. We actually have a game here at the winery when we're listening to the podcast that yeah. every time we're mentioned, <laughs> everyone takes a shot. So, um, Matt, how often do you take a shot? Like, how are uh, you? It's at least once an episode. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, I just leave the shots to Matt. Okay, good. Yeah. So, so um, really quick, I, I finally get to say this on the podcast because I'm a huge, as we know, Cheers fan. So I get to say, Norm, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the podcast, buddy. I get that all the time, but I do love you. It. You have to, you have to. And I, I think uh, being a Cheers fan, uh, for me, I can't believe. Now I'm old, and I did not watch this show when it was on NBC Live. I never watched it. Didn't really care. Um, and what's weird, what's weird, and God, my mom's going to kill. I think I mentioned it. My mom is a recovering alcoholic. Um, there you go. There's the anonymous out of the way. And uh, so when growing up, I thought I never knew until watching now that Sam Malone was a recovering alcoholic and he's right. running this bar. I didn't know that. Like, so I thought, like, why didn't I watch this show when it was on? And I, would I get any of the jokes? No. I was probably 11 or 12 and probably wouldn't have gotten them. But, uh, yeah, watching the hell out of Cheers now, and it's just the greatest thing. And I have a norm, norm on my, on my, on my episode. So, guys, Quantum Leap, what are we doing over here? What's going on at Quantum Leap? Well, uh, the concept really is, uh, first we have to look at that Florida is the number two wine consumer in the United States. I had no idea. I blame the I think it's me. Yeah. Um, okay, good. But so Florida is the number two wine consumer in the United States. And when I'm talking about wine, I'm talking about Vitis vinifera. That's the subspecies of grape that's used to make wine. If we say Cabernet, Chardonnay, Merlot, that's Vitis vinifera. Okay. So Florida is the number two consumer, but it doesn't grow here. Okay. It actually grows very far away from here. So we realize that that means we have a significant environmental impact when we consume fine wine. We can be Debbie Downers when we drink. So... Uh, we commissioned a carbon footprint study into the wine industry, and Quantum Leap is a result of that study. Okay. So the concept is we go around the world to where the grapes do grow. We work with organic or sustainable growers. We harvest and crush there. Norm will get to help uh, kind of direct what we want done with that initial fermentation. And then we'll transport the bulk liquid here, or we'll do any final fermentation, malolactic fermentation, all of our stabilization, heat stabilization, cold stabilization, fining, filtration, tank aging, blending. Um, lab, if you work. Look, lab work. If you looked at commercial winemaking as like a 50-step endeavor, 45 of the steps are happening here in Orlando. So I like to say that we are a winery in Florida, yeah. but we are not a Florida winery. And it's the only one in Florida, correct? That's going on right now? Are you the only there's, ones doing it? There's a couple it? other guys who do, yeah. uh, who do muscadine or blueberries or something who may subsidize sure. uh, their output by bringing in some grapes from elsewhere. We actually don't ship the grapes because if you ship grapes, they will ferment on their own. Exactly. And while Big Rig Wine Company has a cool sound to it, I don't want to ferment in the back of a tractor trailer. <laughs> no, you don't. So uh, now we know wine Everybody talks about the ciders. We see that you have a cider thing going in lots, tons of the local breweries here. Uh, how'd that come about? How did the ciders come about? Oh, well, it's funny. Um, I've got a great relationship with Mike and Horace over at 1010, being, them being right around the corner here, yeah. uh, literally right off the bike trail. Um, and I was helping them out with some of their barrel aging stuff. You know, they use some of our barrels. We do a Saison with them called the Dinky Line yeah. um, as a collaboration. And... Uh, just one day, Mike goes, why don't you guys do a cider? And I was just kind of like, you know, that's a good question. And uh, next thing you know, I'm uh, over at the brew store, um, uh, which my buddy Jeremy Pittman owns, that uh, uh, 
I go to all the time, and I'm getting stuff to make cider. So I started off with a couple five-gallon batches. Now, this is something that the owners of the winery didn't know about at the time. So okay. They, okay. They were off on vacation, and uh, when they came back, we kind of threw it into a tasting. And uh, next thing you know, they're like, you know, hey, let's give it a try. Um, I made my first 350-gallon uh, batch. Um, that batch we entered into the Florida Brewers Guild mm -hmm. uh, competition and uh, won the gold medal in 2016. Yeah. And from there, it's just gone. It's gone crazy. What I mean, was that like, though, making your basically your first cider and it's winning an award? I mean, like, I've got to tell you, when we went over there, um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, they they send you that email and they're like, well, you know, congratulations. You don't know what you win. They just invite you out right, and say, right. hey, you got something. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's go get our bronze medal or whatever, you know, not expecting the gold. Right. And what was even better was that the, it was the first medal that was handed out of the day. And I couldn't believe that. You know, we were like the first one called up. And um, just to get the goal, it was surreal. Yeah, it, it, it was amazing yeah. um, and humbling all at the same time to see how many people were there and how many brews were there and how many uh, people who make cider were there. And it created a big buzz. Um, that's true. A lot of people making cider there, huh? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really rad. Yeah. It was kind of fun when uh, so Norm goes up to, to collect his medal and uh, I tried <laughs> trying to get some, some photos of it and I overhear these two guys going, can you believe it's the first effing time they've even done cider? Congratulations. And then they're like, can't wait to see what they do next. And so that was just kind of fun. It was mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, the beer industry in the craft beer industry in Florida is such this awesome, like, tight-knit group. It is people. huge, right. And then here are these, you know, weirdo outsiders, like, making mm -hmm. beverages for old white dudes that decided to get into that game as well. And so, um, you know, it was a, it's been a very interesting kind of reception that uh, – Honestly, me coming from sales side of things, I was worried that we would have kind of a harder time because we weren't one of the cool brewers right. who decided to exactly. do Exactly. And it's been the exact opposite. Love Everybody's it. been, you know, super welcoming and, and there are times where I'm hesitant to do something and, and you know, local breweries are like, No, go for it, go for it. Go for it, right? So, uh, what with wine, uh, if we were playing the $10,000 pyramid right now and the word snob had to be guessed, someone would be like, um, stuck up, uh, blonde, uh, no, uh, wine, snob, snob. you know? Yeah, so right. yeah. it's like, that's what happens when you think of wine. And I've been doing it for almost 20 years, hearing that word consistently. And I like that you guys are breaking the norm <laughs> of uh, no pun intended. that it is... It is geekage. You guys right. are geeking out with this, and I think it's fantastic. I have seen your cider take many forms, many forms of it's a different flavor, and that's awesome, especially when you, you talk about a peanut butter one. Who would ever think of a peanut butter cider? And Norm, it is Norm, Norm dreamt about it. I over actually literally, literally had a dream. So, you know, mom used to send me with apple slices and peanut butter to yeah. school. Yeah. And I had a dream about grade school. And the next day I came in and I was like, I'm going to replicate this. Yes. I'm going to replicate this. And um, it was tough at first, you know, to get the flavoring right. Um, and I started working with a flavoring company and uh, came up with a non-allergenic uh, flavoring. Um, Isn't that crazy? If you are allergic to peanut butter... You, you could drink that you cider. Drink yeah, we tested that is it amazing. On like Fifteen seven-year-olds and none of them died. <laughs> no, they they passed out. But they didn't <laughs> Wake up, you're shaking up. It's like one little hive. Okay, not, one not hive. really, not really. But, um, yeah. So I mean, a lot of these, it's it's just it's something that that I just kind of think about, and it's um, or 
you know, like the the strawberry, which we'll try here um, in, in a little bit, is which we call our road rash. You know, when you fall off your bike, you get that. What you used to call a strawberry, a strawberry or a road yeah. rash. So, um, you know, we're we're kind of bike geeks around here. So, the peddlers thing was something that Matt and I, you know, started, and we actually started with a wine, so called right. the grape peddler, mm -hmm. um, uh, and then it just kind of made sense to to have peddlers hard apple cider. Yeah. Um, to you know, to go off the wine label that that we created when we when we came in, um, and it's just it's a lot of fun to come up with the names. You know, the the peanut butter is actually called Nut Wrench. Yeah, is, I love that. Which is modeled after the Capagnolo wrench, uh, which was a wrench that was, was, was called the peanut butter wrench. Literally. It was, oh, really? Back in the day, before there were Cliff Bars or anything like that, you uh, would take a little bit of peanut butter out on your bike ride with you, and you'd find some local you know bakery or whatever, and you'd grab some bread, and you'd use the other side of this wrench that was used to take your wheels off, the other side literally was made to spread peanut butter. And so it was called the peanut butter wrench. And hardcore bike geeks, they, I mean, that's something you seek out. Like your collection of useless tools is not complete until you have the campy <laughs> peanut that's butter so wrench. so cool. And uh, it was fun when we first did it, I, I like posted on my own, you know, Instagram or whatever picture of the label and immediately some of my old bike geek friends were like freaking out. That's God, so it's cool. The, it's the peanut butter wrench. That is so um, cool. Don't sue us, Camping Miller. Yeah, please no. <laughs> um, you know, another thing that, that was fun, too, is immediately, like right off the bat, we got to meet uh, Kent Wall and Josh and Nolan and those guys over there um, at Crooked Camp because we we actually had uh, our chocolate gal, uh, Lisa, both that comes in. Um, you know, we were doing the label. We are like, hey, check this out. And originally, the bike had a guy on it. And it looked a lot, lot. like the Hefeweizen, yeah. the Cloud Chaser uh -huh. label, or the can over there. And so we're like, oh, we got to make a trip over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, darn. We got to make a trip. Yeah. Over there, right. <laughs> um, but we got to meet with those guys and talk to them about, you know, the label process. And, of course, we extended an olive branch and brought some wine barrels over there. So they actually have some, some stuff aging in some of our wine barrels. Mm -hmm. um, as well as quite a few other breweries around here. And still have barrels available, by the way. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, just to talk about, you know, and and they were like totally cool with with the bike, but they were like iffy about the guy, you know. Even though the guy was a little bit different, they're like, oh, it's really close to McSwagger. I don't know, if, you know, um, if we're gonna do that. So they're like, we'll tell you what, if you take the guy off, you can have the bike. And, and it's like, well, awesome. And <laughs> it's so cool because it's worked out because now every different varietal that we do of the cider we actually put a different bike on the label okay awesome i was gonna say and i know your obsession with the tour de france and everything oh, like yeah. that oh, yeah. like yeah yeah hey, well i used to race and so that's been a lot of fun to you know be able to take that in everybody here is is some level of bike geek get uh, out the owners, really the awesome do um cycling trips through wine country all the time they're actually going over doing like Prague to Budapest oh yeah the tour to Budapest I yeah. call it what <laughs> you know Norm uh, has this habit of finding old beach cruisers and putting ridiculously large engines on them uh, Chris our cellar master still holds a couple of BMX records in Florida uh, this is so and, rad yeah, everybody okay. here is, is a hardcore bicycle geek so in the early days when we were worried about not being able to keep the bicycle on the label before the owners yeah. over at Crooked Can were like oh it's really just the guy 
we had planned on challenging Crooked Can to a bike race, and that, and like winner take the label. Okay, um, so right now, um, if we go back to the Crooked Can episode, uh, there was the word doppelganger used a lot, a lot. <laughs> so um, I don't remember how many pictures we took there, but I'm gonna have to take a picture of you now yeah. while we're here, just so um, yeah, because Josh is a great guy. Josh was a great awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Did you have a trouble? Like, were you ready to like tell secrets? To Matt and be like, hey, and then go, oh shit, this is Josh. Never mind, sorry, and run away. Because like, well, you guys do look alike. They it's do look freaky. a lot alike. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you have a you have more of a brown beard than he has like a darker beard. Yeah. I yeah. think that would be really at the end of the well, day. And he also uh, he's a big barbecue fan, so he trims his mustache. Oh, he has to, huh? And, and you just I, let it I don't, yeah. Yeah. Just know, just let that just let, let that grow. Sloppy. Yeah. So I know um, if anybody could be sitting here watching, uh, which soon we'll be doing video, uh, there's two, four, I'm not going to count. There's about uh, two dozen glasses here. So should we start now? I know we're maybe like yeah. 10 minutes in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Okay, so we're going ciders first? Yeah, we're going to start with our uh, Road Rash, which is a new, uh, the strawberry. Yes. So this is done in a, a much drier style. So kind of the concept with all of the ciders is that we use a champagne yeast. So, uh, brewer's yeast isn't going to correctly eat fruit sugar. Okay. What happens is when you're, you know, think about when you're making beer, you're, you have a starch source, you have to turn that starch into a sugar, and then yeast is going to eat that sugar, right? So you have a much more complex sugar than you do with fruit. Right. So if you kind of take a step back and take kind of a science or geeky uh, kind of winemaker's approach to fermenting a fruit, yeah, which I'm right. used to when I'm reading. I've read you know, a lot of wine books. You're going to eat off the sugars correctly. Yeah. You're going to retain your apple flavor. You're not really going to have much residual sugar. Now, we actually do back sweeten a little bit, even though it's still really dry. The, when we get to the hops, you'll see like how dry it yeah. can actually I, it I can actually get. ferment the cider completely dry and then, and then back sweeten. That's awesome. That's smart. So, yeah. so yeah. this has got uh, strawberry added on the back end. Okay. Um, the tough part with cider is I can't actually ferment the strawberry. I can ferment apples, I can ferment pears. As soon as we ferment any other fruit, it becomes an apple wine product. And okay. our federal taxes go from about 30 cents a gallon to about $3.80 a gallon. So it's a massive jump. That's 10 times. And so that's, that's when you see um, you know, uh, some of these brands that'll come out with that 750 Cajun Court mm -hmm. that's like $19 a bottle. It's because really it's all the taxes that are in there. I'm not counting it out, I'm not saying that we'll never do it, but right, right. now what we're doing is, is taking more of a, a blending approach. We do a lot of blending with wines here. Yes, so we do. kind of blending the, the products together so that uh, it still qualifies as cider. And you know, the main thing with these ciders is the balance, the sweetness to tartness. Um, I've, you know, we've tried so many ciders out on the market and when we started doing this, we probably put 30 or 40 of them up on the bar here and we were tasting through them, um, ciders from Spain, here, there, and everywhere, and just uh, the consensus is is pretty much everything is just really sweet when it yeah. comes to cider. Um, that's not really our palate over here, and I, I we made the cider for what we would like, what mm -hmm. we want to drink, and you know I am ecstatic that it's taken off the way it is, and people people yeah because like honestly it. it wasn't Joel and David saying hey guys make this tell me how it goes I'll be back off my vacation no you did it they totally right gave the us the reins yeah. with this project and we and we've continued to roll with it and they love it and we love it and uh, I love it yeah, yeah. it's and it's a lot of fun I love actually being able to go to GB Bottle Shop and honestly you can get a bottle of your wine. So cheap. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, you guys make extreme quality. Like a Panther's Tail, any if it's the Red Blend or the Pinot that I've had, 
holy cow. Like, and you could get it for a, things, an amazing price. The things that we're doing to reduce our carbon footprint, whatever side of the environmental equation you're on, everybody likes money. And this stuff saves us so much money. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, we'll take a walk afterwards. We'll go walk around the, the winery. It's a massive building. And my OUC bill is next to nothing for this space. The carbon footprint reduction, think about at home, you put in a fancy light bulb, you get an Energy Star appliance, you save 150 bucks a year. Great, yeah. good for you, thank you for helping the environment. But then you do it on a massive scale and that, that number exponentially increases. That's so amazing. This has been something for us that, you know, the part of the goal has been to get better grapes, put them out at a lower price point. So when it came to the apples, we started with this great little uh, orchard in Michigan and okay. it's USDA organic and so we were bringing in those and just you know it was perfect well then it took off and he doesn't have enough to be able to supply all of us so we've had to supplement with apples from elsewhere and so we're using now what I mean in the cider side of the world would be referred to as a heritage apple blend the idea okay. is that it's a lot of these older apple varieties that uh, you know mixed together will make a pretty consistent product and so that's been a lot of our own struggle here has been to make sure that every batch tastes just like the batch previous. Uh, so we do a lot of tweaking, you know, with each batch to make sure. Yeah. Um, because that's when you're working with a product that is essentially a wine, I mean, a fermented fruit, uh, each batch is going to be a little bit different. You know, each fruit is a different size. Has to, exactly. The, the sugar contents, things like that. So you have to really kind of, when you go into each batch, you have to sit and look at the science of it all first. So that's crazy. Norm's got his own little lab set up back there. He's doing all I the lab I love when you said lab. Here. Yeah. Um, you know, and to be, to be able to make sure that it's always going to taste the same. It's a big thing for us. Yeah, and the, the whole carbonation thing was a new thing for us, too, when we started the cider. So, you know, we don't do sparkling wines here at the winery. Um, I've done them in the past, but it's been bottle-conditioned stuff. Okay. Um, and we force carbonate here. So that was a new learning curve that I had to learn uh, when we were first starting the cider to get that out. And once uh, I got that down, you know, and literally built my own uh, Grundy barrels. Um, we don't have a bright tank here. Um, everything I do, um, uh, when I carbonate, I carbonate in barrels that I uh, literally uh, made um, to, to do this. So um, I'm getting the carbonation I want now. I, I love it. I think, uh, um, you know, just with every varietal that we come out. We've got five, actually, now, yes. ciders. Um, so this is the cider side, and that is our wine yeah, side. Yeah, we've got right? our wine okay. side over here. <laughs> we do have about side. 30 different wines. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah. figured, you know, <laughs> we'd get through I, I will have a day today, yeah. Good, yeah. It would be okay not to crawl Pretty sure you've got out of here at 1130. Around, so. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so let's get into who you guys are. Norm, where are you from? I am actually originally from Orlando. Okay. So, uh, born, born, born and raised. raised. Born and nice. ra well, I was born in in Stewart, Florida. Okay. Um, and then moved to Orlando. I don't Stewart, know, maybe, Florida. Maybe Nothing when in I was there. Four or five years old. Yeah, my grandparents were lived in Jensen Beach. That's where okay. my parents met. Uh, moved over here to Orlando, and uh, my father's worked for Regal Boats forever. Okay. Still does. Really? Um, yeah, he's okay. still there. Uh, just <laughs> I, I keep asking him when are you going to retire. You know, um, but he loves it. You know, he loves building boats, something that he's done his whole life. Uh, my grandfather, who is also Norm, uh, helped build Disney World uh, and was oh, on really for rad. like 27 years at Disney. Uh, so he retired from Disney. Um, but uh, just, you know, went to school here. I was at Boone. Um, uh, after Boone, I went in the Navy. I was okay. actually a dental technician in the Navy. All right. Um, did that for a while. Kind of got tired of scraping teeth and when I got out of the Navy uh, um, of 
course, I met a girl in California. There you go. That's how I ended up in California. So I spent over okay. half, over half my life out in California. And uh, where in California? Uh, I was in Northern California, so okay. close to Sacramento, a little place called uh, Sutter Creek, um, okay. uh, in Amador County, uh, which is close to the Shenandoah Valley of California. Right. A lot of great wineries out mm -hmm. there. Um, I actually started my career over at Charles B. Mitchell Vineyards, which is in El Dorado County, which is about 30 minutes away. Um, small winery there uh, that's gotten bigger. Um, Good for them. Good. And the area has gotten bigger. I mean, when I started working there in uh, late 2000, early 2001, uh, there were like eight wineries in the Fair Play region, which was the newest California wine region. And uh, I think there are now close to 40 wineries in that region. So it's... Uh, it's amazing out there. I love going out there. I get to go out there every year Good. in January for okay. the Wine and Grape Symposium. And Who's out there now? Anybody still out there that you get to visit? Or oh, well, I've got friends, friends out there. No, yeah. f no family, but a lot of friends that are like family. Good. You know? yeah. So, uh, plus, you know, people who taught me how to make wine, people who I made wine with throughout the years. So it's always fun to go out and see them and do that. And I got to bring my cellar master, Chris, uh, this, this year, which was fun. And it was a whole, just to see his eyes just yeah. widen and, Love you know, it. because he's used to the winery here in Orlando, which is a total different mm -hmm. setup compared to what you have out in California. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I did, uh, Charles B. Mitchell Vineyards for about nine years and then, uh, ended up, uh, I started consulting for, for wineries and, and going around and doing lab work, doing blending, uh, helping them with their bottling. Um, uh, after that, I, I wanted to get more into the bottling thing. I knew how to take, you know, the grapes and crush them and get, you know, go from grape to bottle, they say. But I really didn't know about bottling. We always called up a truck, and a mm -hmm. truck would come in. We'd pump it into the truck. Next thing you know, there's bottles coming out the other side. So I wanted to learn that aspect so I could be well-rounded. Ended up getting a job for Woodbridge Beverage Company. Okay. Okay. And running uh, their bottling line for a while. And that was a six-day-a-week what seemed like nonstop, monotonous, uh, as fast as you can get it through the line sort yeah. of thing. And um, it was it was a lot of work, but it, it paid off. I learned how to do that. I mean, we have a small bottling line here, which we can run about 10,000 bottles in an eight-hour period on. Nobody does um, that kind of work here, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we try not to run 10,000 bottles a day. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's only Chris <laughs> and I still, who, who, who do everything in the back. So okay. there's only the two of us that do everything here uh, in regards to the wine, the cider. Um, and I literally, every keg of cider, I keg. Uh, I, it has my initial on every label. Yeah? I make sure it's on there. Um, awesome. That way they know, you know, everybody knows, hey, you know, the winemaker, the cider maker's taking care of this. So um, I big... You know, I love that Chris is a little bit OCD. I say a little bit. I think a lot of it. But <laughs> a lot of it, it you really, used it. really, it. really helps with uh, cleanliness and stuff in mm -hmm. the back um, and the way we keep organized back there. So, uh, you know, big thing for me. But uh, I'm kind of getting off subject. But, yeah, we were talking about where we're from. Where so I'm what brought from. you to Orlando then? Um, well, Woodbridge or? No, I, I actually... <laughs> Met my wife Jenny, who today's our three-year anniversary. Happy anniversary! No shit! Honey. Oh, awesome! Good, um, good, good. Uh, in California, and she is from New Jersey, and we were actually—I uh, had stepped away from winemaking a little bit because okay. I wanted to cook, and I was actually doing music. I'm a drummer as well, and I was playing music um, with my band and touring, uh, you know, in Sacramento and Folsom and. And just the small bars, nothing huge. Awesome. But, that's um, awesome. A lot of fun. And yeah. uh, it paid enough for me to pay the bills, and that's all I cared about at the time. Right. Uh, 
but I was kind of focusing on music, and at the time I was cooking, uh, and then I ended up getting the job as the bar manager and uh, at the hotel, and she was a server at the hotel. And I actually had somebody call in, and I was working behind the bar when I first met her. Uh, it's funny, she, uh, she came up to get a drink uh, from me. I had to make her a drink, and you know, from then we've just kind of been together ever since. I but, love yeah, that. Yeah. It's been fun, but uh, how I got back to Orlando is um, after we got married, my mom uh, is a postal carrier, okay. and she was actually running the route, the winery route. And she called me one day and said, hey, there's a winery on my route. And I'm like, no, Ma, you're crazy. This, it's Orlando. There's right. not a winery in Orlando. So I actually looked it up. And uh, you know, next thing you know, uh, I kind of sent out a resume. And really? I got a call back from David, and he said he really wanted to meet me. Um, I met, you know, uh, I came out, I met David. Um, a couple weeks later, I came out, I met Jill, and next thing you know, you know, here I am. You're moving you back. Know, we literally got rid of everything, climbed into our little Insight, our hybrid, mm -hmm. with our two dogs and whatever we could fit on top of the car and in the car, and drove 3,000 miles across the country. That was kind of our honeymoon. That's awesome. You know? That's so crazy. <laughs> to come across the country. And, uh, you know, we got here, and ever since, it's just been, you know, we started off with the wine, um, and, you know, the last, what, year and seven months it's been we started the cider yeah. eight months ago um and it's just been amazing it's yeah. been an amazing journey and to be back here in orlando you know where i did spend a majority of my life mm -hmm. making wine i never thought it would happen i never yeah. thought i'd be here doing this um you know i don't i am involved with the crush process and everything that happens over on the west coast as far as being on phones or going out there every once in a while um but just to be able to to be here and do the lab work and do the blending and do the filtration and, and do the aging and to be able to do that in Orlando is just amazing because I, I love Orlando. Yeah, Orlando's it's, it's... great. I mean, don't get me wrong. California's beautiful. Sure. I was in a very, very small gold town and there wasn't much there at all. So to have the conveniences of Orlando and the food of Orlando. I was just going to say, because when you left. And the beers of Orlando. Yeah, it wasn't what it was. <laughs> right. Like When yeah. you left, it was like, oh, it's Orlando. Yeah. You come back, it was like, well, holy shit, what is, this has popped up. This is, this is, right. the food yeah. here is insane. The, the, the beer is insane. Like, it is, when people think Orlando, obviously they still think of the Mickey ears and everything like that. But no, man, this is, this is the place to be right now if you're yeah. in Florida. And I love it. I love it. And then Matt. How about you, buddy? I came down from New England. Yeah, you uh, did. I was born in Maine and uh, lived in Connecticut for a long time because there's no money in Maine. Most of my family's still up in Maine, though. Mm. Uh, and okay. started dating a girl who uh, had a job down here, and so we were flying back and forth, and the goal was to bring her up north. Oh, really? Um, okay. We had to get a new place. I was living somewhere that she still refers to as the troll hole. Like, every man at some point lives <laughs> in their own little wizard shack. And that's where I was. Uh, it was awesome. I was on this old man hippie commune. I was the youngest person there by about 40 years. Um, really weird. Anyway, uh, so we were flying back and forth, trying to figure out where I was going to get her to move uh, you know, up there. And uh, one of the times down here, somebody was telling me, you got to go check out this winery. And so we, uh, I had to meet her not too far from here for... Uh, for dinner, I am notoriously early to everything, so I showed up uh, way too early. Had some time to kill and saw this sign that said "Winery Open." Yeah. Came in, tried the stuff, uh, thought it was amazing, and kind of similar to Norm. Within a couple of weeks, I had everything I I owned in a trailer and driving yeah. down here. Out, I didn't know the that. The thing is, is the day of my final interview, 
ended up being the day of his final interview. So we actually got hired at about the same the time. The same time. So oh, whenever so we cool. talk about it, we always say to take the winery to the next level. Yes. You know, that's um, very humble. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a good time. So it's been neat to kind of come in and, and I come from the sales world of things uh, in the wine industry. I've been in the wine industry pretty much my entire life. Uh, I, my weird Asperger's superpower is that I can remember everything I've ever drank. So uh, the palate part of it has been a lot of fun. So getting to come down here and work with a winemaker, um, I like to say, and, and Norm is within punching distance of me, so I gotta be careful with this, but I like to say that if you leave a winemaker alone, they will make weird shit. Yeah. And it, you need somebody like me to just kind of taste and go, oh, that's great, well, what if we put it in a barrel for another six months, just to mellow it out or mm -hmm. whatever? Because I'm thinking of what I'm gonna have to sell. Whereas Norm is trying to showcase his talents. Well, yeah. unfortunately, and as is true even in the beer industry, uh, the number one seller isn't coming from a very talented brewer, right? So uh, I almost have to try to rein the talents <laughs> back a little bit. We don't have to do it that much. Um, it's been a lot of fun that uh, folks in Orlando are really receptive to a lot of the fun, funky things that we do, as well as the kind of more standard uh, you know, everyday wines. And then to be able to do the, the Grape Peddler Project first was fun. It was a way of us kind of bringing in old contacts uh, that right. we had before we came in. Here we go. And, right. uh, Speaking of the Grape Peddler, let's yes. that's, uh, okay. that's the Rosé. Uh, been nicknamed around here the Brosé as we uh, leave the skin in contact a little longer <laughs> yeah. so it's a little drier. It's okay. kind of a Rosé for a red drinker. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. They're going to be like, wait, we haven't heard wine glasses click yet. And a little trivia for the, the listeners, um, you're part of the What Ails You family, so yeah. I want to say, like, yeah, you are our hi, uncle, I guess. Hi, hi, to, hi to Brian in the sound booth. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here's sad, but this one's for you. So, yeah, so how could I explain this? I'm going to do it right off the head. I haven't even thought about it. So, you are, um, you're with... Sad Myth's wife's sister. There you go. That was easy. That was yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah that was it. Much, yeah. So yeah, so you are in the family. All right. So this rosé has got a funny story behind it. You know, uh, Matt wanted to do a traditional kind of Rhone style. South France, Grenache, Syrah, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. And I am more of a Merlot, uh, Cab Franc, Cab Sauve rosé guy. Um, okay. That's what I've made in the past. So this actually has all of those varietals in it, so. Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Sangiovese, and Pinot Noir, just a couple of grapes. And I am not. And Pinot Noir, <laughs> how we made the other two styles come together. But what's oh, neat, shit. I like that south of France, like watermelon Jolly Ranchers, I'm just gonna drink it directly from the bottle. The style Norm likes is a little bit more refined, yeah, a little that bit body. older. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just slap them together in a glass, they're not gonna Never. cooperate. So the Sangiovese brings in some acidity element that will help do that, and then the Pinot Noir kind of rounds out the fruit. So, uh, yep, that's right here, really you could get that dry. All these varietals were crushed together, co-fermented together. Uh, you know, it's just something that we said, hey, what if we do this? And, and here it is. And it's uh, been very popular here, especially in the summertime. Yeah, summertime's here, yeah, yeah. And it's not punching you in the face. It's no. not one of those, what I was thinking as you're naming these grapes, I was like, oh, shh, this is gonna be yeah. like, but no, it's actually, that so goes this, down so well. So the grape peddler line ended up evolving into the, the peddler's hard cider, as Norm said earlier. Um, you know, we needed a name. Originally, my thought being a sales guy was, how do you bridge the gap between the wine consumer and the beer consumer? And right, in the case right. of permitting, in the case of flavor profile, in the case of 
how a fermentation is done, cider is the answer to that. That's how you bridge that gap. So my original thought was let's just kind of make cider on a contract basis. So, you know, whatever brewery wants to have their own cider and doesn't want to invest the thousands of dollars into the permitting and extra equipment and all that, well, we'll just make it, sell it to them. I don't care what you call it. Right. Well, we got that gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the neat thing was. was that all these breweries were, were like, <laughs> no, we want to use it, but no, we're good. we'll call it yours. That's what it is. So yeah. um, that's been a lot of fun. And so that's where the peddlers hard cider name really came from. And then from there, it was just, I almost think we think of the bike before we think of the blend. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, pretty much. See, that's awesome. Come up with one with like a downhill mountain bike. and uh, See, I love that. one with a low rider. Um, and then, you know, he mentioned that I, I was making the, the motorized bicycle, so I'm like, oh, you know, when we did the hop cider, it's like the hopped up, you know, let's put, right. a, let's put like a board track racer on the That's front of it. That's a good time to drink the hop cider, yeah. this stuff isn't going to drink itself. <laughs> so. so the hop oils really dry this out. It's kind of fun. Um, and this is citra hop. And this yes. particular batch technically yes. has a little Belma. A little bit of Belma. Um, so Holy you get a cow. little strawberry note from the Belma. Oof. Yeah, you can smell that. So when are we going to start hazing? from your uh, New England days to into these ciders. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's only in the appearance. You, uh, like, I, I've, I've been learning. So I had a brew day yesterday at 1010. Mm -hmm. and that was awesome. That was awesome. So Horace, man, that guy is technical. I love it. He yeah. sure is. Oh, he's, I love him he's now. A, he's an evil He's genius. a genius. Yeah. yeah, he's a genius. It's actually kind of cool when you go over there and, and to have really kind of two legit <sighs> brewmasters in there between Mike and Horace and both are insanely talented and you know Horace I think would almost just keep making all sorts of crazy weird stuff and so Mike Mike has to, to balance say, it like, oh yeah well we really need to sell this and so it's it's kind of a, a cool you know cool dynamic that they have and it's an amazing it's dynamic funny. to I hear mean, both sides we spend a lot of time there because they're literally in our backyard we can yes. throw water balloons out um, we do our staff meetings there often. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> like good, good. The amount of time that we do go over there just because it is such a good, friendly place. And even like people here who work here, the, the pallets go all across the board. And so it's not like we're going into a brewery that just does killer IPAs and, and everything else is right. just all right. Um, they pretty much nail it across yeah. the board. We, had, we did an event here, and Garrett Oliver, Brooklyn, was, uh, was a speaker at this nice. event. Damn, and we yeah, just kept, very nice. You know, hitting them up like, dude. Afterwards, I don't care what you're doing. You gotta just walk get over here to ten ten. And so, I mean, imagine that you're uh, a young brewery. I mean, they've only been open for a little while, and Garrett Oliver walks in. Right. So they're all like, you know, freaking out. And what was it? It was like the Kolsch that he was just like, "This is the best American Kolsch I've ever had." And how come they never told me and this? That's like the beer that and he was you here. Kind of drink. Last, they're so humble you know, about it. Yeah, they yeah. are. And he I was mean, here 48 hours ago. Yeah. Like Garrett was right. here. Like for oh, that's right for the yeah for the, for the conference. conference. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's insane that to think the best American Kolsch. That's rad yeah, as hell. I mean, you know, and and that was just really neat to see like him get excited about something that this like you know still kind of young. You know, the Orlando beer scene is is amazing but it is still kind of young when yeah. you look at you know what's going it's on extremely young and say yeah so um you know it, it's been a lot of fun to see all these guys pop up you know hourglass does um amazing stuff over there and they're fermenting doing, and yeah, souring and, and they're doing really well yeah. they actually have a bunch of our wines on tap yep uh, wine on tap is technology we brought to florida it was illegal in florida I had to put together a team of lobbyists to fight to get the laws what? changed 
5.16 gallons is too much wine for one human being to handle, so it was illegal. That's why you can't get a 40 ounce. You used to only be able to do up to three liters. So okay. We had to get the law passed to be able to do that five gallon keg. But so they do, you know, wine on tap, and, and then when the cider took Holy off, shit, they, awesome. they just had this great idea. So they did. Um, we collaborated to do a beer called the Graft Peddler. So right. They literally kind of back sweetened a red ale with unfermented cider. So it was kind of a, it was almost like a Red's Apple Ale for people who actually gave a shit about beer. Yeah. It was, it was a really fun project. But we've seen a bunch of others, you know, the, um, with the Forêt Sauvage at uh, Red Cypress. Yeah, Red Cypress, Cypress, Cypress Dunn 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 Barrels. Norm mentioned the Dinky Line before, Horace's uh, barrel-aged stuff in, in some of our barrels. And our port They've got barrels. a barley wine and a, and a puncheon of ours over at mm-hmm. 1010 right now. And then, yeah. uh, yes. you know, That's we've right. also been, you know, we, we bring in so many barrels uh, that we do sell a lot of them off. So we went down an angry chair with a with a bunch. I know. No bunch shit. Did you really? So now you're going into Tampa. Walking tree. Walking and, tree. Get out. Awesome. So that's been a that's been a lot of fun. To, you know, it's it's kind of funny. We put a trailer on the back of the van, loaded up with barrels, and uh, you know, as we make a market yeah, day of it, of course. Right, make yeah. a market day. So as we're driving away, you see the owners kind of looking a little shifty eyed. This might not go well. But, That's but awesome, now, though. So you're in Tampa. Car, you I love that. I yeah, love so, that. And that's really been kind of our focus with the cider. Again, it was to bridge that gap. And, you know, I get so many, you know, uh, customers who come in, you know, as part of a group into the tasting room here. And there's like, you know, the one guy who, oh, I don't drink any wine. Yeah. And so I try to talk and try to like ease them into wine. And if I can't, I keep a keg on of somebody local. So right now I got Red Cypress on. I had uh, that's Kills on there last week. But nice. Um, you know, try to keep something local on. But it is really neat to kind of, and I've trained my staff here to talk to a, a beer drinker about the types of beer they like and understand what that translates to into wines that they may start to like mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun to kind of really work on kind of mixing that those two lives together you're holding your hop cider and looking at i it. am i mean this hop cider is is what this is all about too <laughs> to like bridge that gap I between know. cider Citra's and beer here. yeah that's, that's i mean that's, that's Citra hops, right there. It, it's it was something i mean truthfully when i first uh added the hops i'm like i don't know how how this is going to go over and i had had hop ciders in the past from some of the uh larger uh, companies and they were just kind of yeah but uh you know, extremely happy with how this has turned out. Hell and, yeah. um, it's, you know, on the drier side. So this is our driest cider that we have. Um, and you know, kind of our IPC, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the hopped up cider. Um, and I, I think Sanford Brewing has this on tap like all oh. the time. Do they really? Yeah. Good. Good. Well, it's one of their favorites. It's a few of the mellow mushrooms as well. I mean, it's in a, it's in a bunch of locations. I mean, we're, We've been very fortunate. It's been, uh, the cider's been in the market for, you know. Almost two just, years. Almost two years, yeah. just a hair under. And I'm in probably 100 accounts for Shit. a small little startup that's only doing kegs. We do occasionally hand bottle. Uh, we'll pretty much sell it just here when we do. We have plans in the very near future to do a massive bottling run so that folks can come here and, and purchase the bottles if they want. But um, It's like everything I can do to keep up with the, demod- the bottle demand here. Yeah. Uh, at the winery, so I mean, as fast as I bottle it, Matt sells it, which is not a bad problem. Right? Yeah. No. Right. Um, I grabbed the peanut butter, but before we do, I just oh. want to share this with you because you said immediately you could smell the citra on the hop one. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to just, you know, what the difference between citra and gonorrhea is, right? Not at all. You Here can again. get rid of gonorrhea. 
<laughs> I love it. So um, pretty weird. I'm getting texts by Sad Myth because we have to call him that. Um, one day, oh, sorry. I will. No, no, okay. I didn't hear another name. And uh, you're gonna edit that out, right? Yeah. And Sad uh, so. Um, yeah, he's texting right now. He's like, why? Did you interview him yet? Because I, I said, hey, Wait, look, jump not, on. I just said sad myth, isn't it? Yeah, Mad sad myth. No, we're, we're changing sad it up for this. It's sad okay. myth. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of editing there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> no, no. He's going to be like, Wait, what? He's actually going to listen to this whole thing. So, yeah, I shouldn't even tell him what happened. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so here's the peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. God, I wait for this. I dreamt about this last night. I, I am a peanut butter fanatic. Fana oh, Jesus it doesn't even have to be, right. I can smell it here, like this distance. Um, guys, that's from me, like from the other side of the room too. No, this is beautiful. It <laughs> yeah, smells so good. We had done a co-release. Um, we released the peanut butter right around the same time that we released uh, the strawberry. And a lot of uh, folks were buying it up and then doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And shut up. That's the smartest uh, thing GB's ever. GB's was doing, uh, they did some chocolate porter. And they were making like Reese's peanut butter cups out of it. And it's just fun. And for like two weeks, my ringtone on Matt's phone was peanut butter jelly time. <laughs> when we did that release. And literally I was, I walked in and, it, and his phone was going off in the, in the tasting room. Cause I was trying to, to find him mm. and I'm hearing this going on and I would just die laughing, you know, because it, but it's, it's been so much fun to do, you know, the, the, to be able to do a release like that and, and to think of it, it's like, what, well, we got the peanut butter, we got the strawberry. You know, I'm a big peanut butter and jelly guy. It's Hell kinda, yeah! It's kind of right? like my my evening snack. Um, uh, my wife gets onto me for that, but uh, why? <laughs> like I'm thinking that might be healthier in my lunch days or something. Like, oh okay. um, yeah, had to go to the doctor recently and uh, not allowed soups anymore. But this peanut butter, I mean, just um, getting the balance on that right was was fun too because <sighs> you know you want it to kind of start off with the peanut butter and and of course. That your senses, you know, your your smell and your taste go together so well. So to smell the peanut butter and then get into it, and it kind of starts off creamy. You get a little bit of the peanut butter, and then it finishes off nice and crisp with, mm -hmm. with like that apple, just like as if you were dipping that apple. When slice you said into that, peanut butter. that's how I explain it to everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I have to. Even at GB yesterday, I was hoping it was going to be on tap, and somebody was like, "Peanut butter and a cider." I'm like, "Well, come on." Now, I'm Jewish, so mom always put, like, the, the apples and the, the peanut butter together and in, in Miami Beach. And uh, that was it. Just, like, I loved them. I yeah. loved it. That was, like, our go-to. I mean, I think it was one of the Jewish traditions is to put apples on mm -hmm. peanut butter. I don't know if I don't think it's Passover. Oh, I always be like, what a bad Jew. And I, I am. I'm a really bad Jew. <laughs> I never had my bar mitzvah, guys. And uh, be a lot and, of editing on this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, this to me it made sense it makes so much sense it makes so much sense and uh oh yeah, you should have seen the look on matt's face whenever i told him i wanted to do it i mean i was horrified I you was, had to be right like, come on what are you talking about that's that's the dumbest idea I've ever and i'm like no you've got to try this like you've got to try it and now did you secretly make a batch first or were you like no I, give me the okay guys i'm gonna do it anyway the five, the five we were doing the five gallon batch yeah. to start but the um the funny thing is, is how often that happens here. I have such a, my brain immediately goes to um, sales trends, what has sold in the past. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. I, I used to run a, a literally a, a $75 million retail chain. Jesus. Um, that was just all alcohol. And so my brain is always firing mm -hmm. in that mode. And he comes along saying something, you know, uh, like the peanut butter. And 
and it, it's unfortunate. Like I almost immediately shoot it down. Like oh, it's such a terrible idea. So I've had to learn to become more open. <laughs> that more was open. an awesome idea. I mean, we had a wine one time that you know a Marsan, and I was like, oh, there's no way you should mm. filter this. Do not filter this wine. It's going to be so awesome unfiltered. And I I think I went camping and came back and it was filtered. Like Norm was like, no, I I am a winemaker. I know better. I'm thinking sales. I'm thinking yeah. like, just to put the word yeah. unfiltered on that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And the neat thing is is that has been in bottle now for almost a year, year and a half. And okay. we just recently revisited it and the evolution that wine has taken that it wouldn't have had we left it unfiltered it was mind blowing. Good. I mean, it literally tastes like a, like a Werther's original. It was so cool. Um, but so this has been one of the things that's a, that's a lot of fun. Uh, at Quantum Leap, I, I really do call it kind of the dream team here. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, 10 years ago, I were to napkin sketch out my dream job and the, the best people to work with, this place is actually it. I it mean, is, right. Old people from the, around the industry and around the country to build this project. And, you know, there's definitely obviously a lot of locals that, that work here as well, but, you know, uh, folks from the restaurant industry, folks from, uh, you know, the private club hospitality side of things, for, uh, folks from the environmental industry, um, it's just really neat to see, you know, all these people coming together. So we were all passionate about, you know, wine and spirits and beer and, and just alcohol in general, but also passionate about the environment and to have a place that we can actually put both of those together as a career is amazing. I tell you that the dream job part, it's not quite that. It would be a lot less hours and a lot more money. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> But honestly, there, when you hear wine in Florida, for us, we think of just this one little vineyard that might be like 20 miles right. off the well, turnpike so or something so like that. Vitis rotundifolia is a, a subspecies of grape that will grow here. Muscadine is a very popular mm -hmm. one. Uh, honestly, Hourglass did really awesome. That that uh, Uncle Tom's oh, season yeah. the Muscadine, and it yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, Muscadine is a is a different type of grape. It ferments a little bit differently. Uh, it it has some different aromas and stuff. It, I like to say we were wine snobs before we were hippies here. It's just not our bag. Um, nothing against it. I mean, Norm and I have, have taken trips out to Lake Ridge out there and. Uh, you know, ready to knife fight our way out of there, and they were sweethearts to us. Good. Right? Oh, they okay, were great. Yeah, we went in there with our shirts on. Yeah. They knew who we, who we were. Um, That's awesome. Great okay, people. Good. Yeah. Um, they they have got an amazing facility over there. I will say that. Oh my god, that uh, was literally. Don't like, they have think like an outdoor, like a big outdoor it, like area, yeah. like you could just imagine, go out there. Just, just imagine for a moment, like us and our facility going into their facility. It would be like if you were, you know, kind of into motorcycles and you had a beat up old Honda that you'd been working on for like 20 years in yeah. the garage yeah. and it ran yeah. once a year. And then you went into the Harley Davidson. Exactly. And, you know, it was like, holy crap. I mean, uh, you know, our, our 3,000 gallon fermenters are our big ones and that would be too small for them. Oh, to they've got 10, 20,000 gallon oh, fermenters yeah. outside. Yeah. Awesome. There. And that's a, you know, it's a different, a different side of the business you know and, and not not something that we do but um, you know obviously it'd be more sustainable to use locally produced fruits but um, we're after that Vitis vinifera and I, I like to equate it a lot to the beer industry in that with one awesome little exception you're not using Florida hops you're not using Florida right. malts and there's a reason for that it's it's not what really wants to grow here. Right. And yeah, you've got a couple of little experimental sites that are doing some really neat things. I think it's awesome. It'll it is awesome. It'll be a long awesome. time yeah. before they're at full-on production level. That and we hear that, whole, yeah. You know, 
Um, but it's it's cool, and honestly, will Florida ever grow enough to to supply the entire beer it's industry? Take. Probably not. No, it would but, take. So it's it's no different in that you know we're going to pull some ingredients from from elsewhere, but the, the product's made here, so it, we do feel like we're we're part of you know Florida. Um, you know, we do think that we are uh, you know locally made. So who else knows about your X-Men mutant ability of that perfect palette that you can remember <laughs> ever? Like, have you ever been asked to like, yeah. hey, look, uh, um, come work for us? Yeah, no, or, I, uh, so one of my favorite uh, beers being back from New England, uh, New England, the New England Brewing Company, who does uh, like Gandhi Bot and Fuzzy Baby Ducks and all those, Matt Westfall, uh, the brewer up there, he worked for the retail chain that I ran. And so okay. he, he left, went to brewer school, came back, started working over at New England Brewing Company. In the early days, they, um, to try to kind of drum up awareness of their business, they had done this 50 beers from 50 states tasting. Oh, and not they, okay. Uh, they brought in 50 beers and they were like judging them all, so I got to be a judge on that. Um, I've done a lot of consultant work for wineries around the country. Um, I haven't done much on the, on the beer side, but I do feel like I've got my finger on the pulse at, at most times. Or on the it's, bottle. Can you do it with? Can you on a, Can you do that with a beer? Like mm -hmm. if I gave you something that was mosaic, amarillo, and citra. For the, for the most part, yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you, with uh, with the beers, for me, it's more of if you gave me a beer, I I tell you either who the producer was. If I had it before, I tell you who the producer was, which which one it was, which is kind of neat. God, I wish so I had like that. when I, I taste know, right? uh, when I taste a beer that is like somebody's done as like a heady topper clone mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know that they did a heady topper clone. It's just, it's, uh, that's me. Yeah, that's my weird Asperger's superpower. And it's I amazing. I love that superpower. Yeah. Having man. a palate like that around. God, you need and, it. And I mean, I'm shoving a glass in his face two or three times a day. Here, this is the here, worst try job this, ever. Try this, try this. <laughs> I, would um, be, I would be just. Nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you, you haven't even put your stuff down yet. And it's just like, here, try this. Because I feel in your face. Horace is the same way. I mean, we, I don't think we ever named the beer we're making with them. And maybe we did. It was a Beatles reference, but we went from. All right, it's a Citra. It's the only hop we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're gonna dry hop it. We scratched that after we opened a can of something, and now we're going with another whole different way. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I should have Matt taste this beer um, straight out of Chicago. And I'm telling you now, we are changing it up. Nice. And yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, we are making a beer with 1010. Uh, some more are coming up in the future, and it's just—it's nice. crazy. We have five breweries right now that we're working with. To... I think that's the future of the of this industry, though, is the collaboration. And I love to see. Uh, okay, so you are not a brewery, and yet mm -hmm. you're doing a collaboration with a brewery. You know, in the early days, it was all different brewers getting together and geeking out and making beers, and maybe they'd each make it yeah. on respective yeah. locations. Um, but now, like you know, okay, we've been able to do wine or cider collaborations with breweries breweries doing collaborations with uh, you know restaurants and, and things like mm -hmm. that I think that's the future of the industry is kind of this way of getting everybody involved it, you think about it you know the kid working the counter at GB's is your last line of sales mm -hmm. your last connection to the consumer yep why wouldn't you want to do stuff with that brewery exactly with that, uh, that, with GB. You know, that beer beer bar I mean the reason it's not really done is volume like, well, exactly. I'm really going to make enough. Right. I'm going to tie up my staff to, you know, to do 10 barrels or whatever, uh, you know, for for one small shop. But, yeah, you should. I mean, it's everything's going hyper-local, and we look at, you know, different guys getting sold to larger companies, and mm -hmm. nobody's touching that stuff anymore. So 
if you stay hyper local, you can, you know, these collaborations are the next. It the means next. a lot to us. It we really does. We do a lot more with, uh, with breweries as well. I'd Good. love to get. I was going to ask I'd that love question to get too. Brewmasters to come in and make a wine with us. That'd be Absolutely. rad. They could sell yeah, us that would be Brewmasters Cuvée or whatever. I don't know. I'll get three, four different brewmasters come in and like, let's just flip the script and let's just change. Let's, let's do a wine for your brewery. Right. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be awesome. I think that's why this episode means so much is because people are saying uh, they know that I'm not going into 1010 just to be like. All right, so I'm here for an hour. Just this is what I'm thinking, and put my name on the bottle. Hell no. When Mike and Horace asked, you know, can we make a beer together? I said, well, obviously you've listened to the podcast. I'm ready to get in my shorts. Right. Um, I bought I bought a pair of Doc Martens that are going to be ruined to shit in about a year, and I put my head into the mash. Yeah, yesterday. I got my dogs on. Yep. See, <laughs> I put my I put my body in the mash yesterday, and I started like. Nice. In, I'm going to learn. I am going yeah. to learn. I am not just going to sit there and go, yeah, it's cool. All right, put my name on it. We're not isn't that podcast. This a, isn't this a fun We're not. thing to learn? It's freaking great right? because isn't I've this... always been the wine. I've always been the wine, reading all my books, learning right. all my wine, and then finally getting the joy of home brewing. I just went, this is easy read. Like, I could do this. Like, yeah. I re- now it's not an easy read, guys. No, Don't really. listen to it. Like, I'm not being an <laughs> asshole. But uh, I, I could just seriously pick up that book and go, yes, yes, yeah, I want to do it. What's really so. fun about this is, is the science of it all. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... I joke, I call it drunken science, but you know, if you don't, uh, and this is the same in the wine side, cider side, beer side, if you don't really grab onto and learn and love the science of it, you're never you're not gonna get make it. a good product. Not, not at all. Not, you might make an okay product. Yeah, it might be fun. But that's the difference between, you know, you go to some places, uh, I used to see them all the time when I was living up north, and, the scene up there has gotten so much better since I left. Of course, all the good stuff opens after you leave. Of course. I was there, just were so many, there were so many, you know, <laughs> brew pubs and stuff that had been there forever, and every single beer tasted like just an all right homebrew because they weren't grasping the, the science part of it. That's one thing I love when we chat with Horace and, and Horace starts going. Jesus, um, right? You know, uh, well, uh, been... Nick at Inoculum. Oh, he's, he's so much fun to talk to. Oh, he takes right? a little further than we do. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll that tangerine was so good. Yeah. That was a really good one, oh man. God. Yeah, which I know we don't like to like date these episodes, but guys, uh, oh, no, actually, Nick's yeah. taking the bottles back because he's taking them over to Tampa. I was going to say they should still have bottles left, but, uh, yeah, was, it was uh, good. Yeah. It was really good. That's amazing. But that's I know uh, supposedly there's a couple of, a couple of quarter barrels running around the scene, so if you can find that. Do that yeah. beer. That's a bucket list for sure. But that's you know, that's the the way you're gonna make a good beer is, is grasping that. Yeah, that you have to get it. How we can make a good wine and good wines and good ciders. I mean, that is something that I learned right off the bat from uh, Alan Kreitzer, a winemaker that I first started working with. He owns Dry Town Cellars in Amador County, and he literally does everything by the numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. a wine has a number. It has a pH number. It has yeah. this. It has that. There's going to be so many different variables year to year, but you know, you look for that number. You get as close to that number as you can. And if you start off with that, nine times out of ten, you're going to finish with a good wine. There's going to be a sommelier in your audience who's going to listen to this and go, "Oh, well, that means they manipulate the wines." It's not about manipulation. You're still letting everything naturally ferment and, and finish, you know, kind of on its own. But it's understanding. You know, all these numbers are all about understanding what it's doing, what it's going to do. And so, yeah, do I manipulate what type of barrel I'm going to use? I do, based on those numbers. Okay, yeah. So Norm 
you know, Norm can give us all of these numbers and we can literally sit there and having done this for so long, we can look at, okay, so if we put it in this barrel, this is what's gonna happen. If we put it in this barrel, this is what's gonna happen. If we put it in stainless, this is what's gonna happen. And then, you know, he can make some little, you know, little use some wood chips to make a little test to make sure. And it's how the, the wines, you know, I don't think any of us would work here if the wines weren't effing fantastic. Right. I mean, uh, I left the job where $300 bottles being given to me to drink on a Tuesday night were, were normal. And to come to, you know, Orlando, Florida uh, to, <laughs> For wine. to produce $18 bottles is a whole other animal. But the wines are that good. And honestly, I put them up with a lot of those higher end wines. So. Honestly, Jillian and I, we, we enjoy, I mean, we drink a bottle a night. We do. We're a bottle a night. Honestly, everybody thinks it's mm. beer, beer, beer for me. So I drink about six bottles a day of beer. No, uh, but no, okay. during Empty the day. Carbs. Actually, there, yeah. Keeps you going. There are days where I don't have, a, there could be three days in a row where I don't have a beer, but you bet your ass, I've had a, three bottles of wine by then. And it's not just because wine wins. For me, that's what goes well with dinner. Yeah. I have yet to really sit down and go, and then pour with you know a beer, unless I'm out. Yeah. Of course. Honestly, you know what? Of course. Text me before you eat, because uh, that was one of the things Have a I beer used to, before? to do. Is, no, but uh, I could tell you what beers pair well. I mean, they're, and that's why I love that there's now like kind of this Cicerone movement. Um, and I know that. <laughs> Going I know for that it. One, <laughs> I guess I have to. Well, but, but I know that there's like a lot of guys out there like, oh, screw the certification. And there's a lot of guys who grasp for it. I mean, I think it's just neat because it, it gives this kind of validation to something that, that beer drinkers real beer drinkers have known forever is that beer is an awesome food pairing element. It's different in wine though. So with wine, if I'm going to have a really spicy dish, I'm going to have a wine with a little bit of residual sugar. Yes. Exact opposite with beer. You're going to have a really spicy dish. You actually want to get the juiciest, dankest IPA you yeah. can find. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, it's going to carry the spice, but it's going to mellow the spice and it's just not going to hurt. And whereas if I took a, a wine approach, I'd grab the maltiest beer, and that will actually just rip your mouth apart, and neither the food or the beer will be any good anymore. Uh, sour beers, best, yeah. best beers for food pairing. Uh, you grab sour beers with any protein dish, anything like a mushroomy element, you get that uh, Rodenbach Grand Cru, which is kind of the, uh, you know, the sour 101. Uh, you grab, you know, grab that with a steak dish, something like that. Man, North Carolina is doing some mushrooms mm -hmm. in their fermenting. Yeah. And, oh, I love that. I did. Mm -hmm. um, love that. We did the, uh, like a crazy, uh, like homemade polenta dish, uh, the other day to ended up doing like a polenta paella, which pee pee. <laughs> and, the, the, um, inoculums cubico, the, the watermelon salad. Mm -hmm together oh my god it's just elevated the whole dish so there's there's ways there's definitely ways to to pair all of that. i feel for me it just gets heavy at night for me so like yeah. i like the wine and it just also on I'm my belly I'm yeah it's on my that. belly man i look <laughs> at my belly at night i'm like this isn't science this is this is this is i'm not, I'm not pregnant yeah like okay like this is this is i'm not as uh we, as we talk about wine just tasting the uh the mango we took kind of the cue of uh, Sunday morning drink. Yes, that's and, exactly uh, what this is. Back sweetened with mango puree. Uh, so again, can't ferment through, otherwise it becomes an apple wine product, which is the same thing that's on the label of Boone's Farm. I don't think I'm going that route. Uh, 
We won't count it out. Maybe so we'll what's this one called? Things. So this is like our easy. this is our mango mimosa cider. Okay. That's what okay. we called it um, because that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's got the mango on the nose. It starts off with some mango. You get a little bit of an orange juice aspect, and then it kind of finishes like a uh, a champagne or a sparkling wine would. Yeah, I, um, I, I have the Commodore's easy in my head the whole time I was drinking mm-hmm. this. I was like, mm-hmm. this is a Sunday morning. So this is something we haven't released yet, um, although I hear from a little birdie it might be a crooked can this weekend. Woohoo! Um, Good. Because, so, yeah, they're going to need it. I think all the beer was drank this week okay. after the conference. So, uh, you know, this is a- another one, just a great balance. I literally spent probably two weeks with my wife drinking mimosas at home after work. You know, really? tough, tough okay. job to get the <laughs> flavor right on this. Um, and once I nailed it, it was like, you know, uh, I threw it out there and everybody just kind of went nuts over it. And it's, we, even though we haven't released it, we've got it here for people to try. Good. Um, right. And just everybody's like, when is when? this going to go into the market? Yeah, when this is, gonna be is this going to be in the bottle? Um, so this is one that I've got very high hopes for. I think it's going to do very well. This will do really well. I can tell you right now, this is, um, yeah, this is Park Ave. You know, I get over to Park View, mm-hmm. give it to Maddie. Well, plus in a heartbeat, plus just to sell out. Dude, he's the, he's the best. So this is in. I want these two. Like, I want the two. Oh, we, oh they do. We, on they an do. episode. Yeah. No, he's on got, an episode. Because my favorite wine list. In, yeah, in hands down. Parkview yeah. is insane. Yeah. And I would. I, I've always had that dream. He was actually. I. I wanted him to be the host of this, and really, there was no way in hell. And so, I need to get him on this podcast. Yeah. And we're doing little sidecars now that we want to do. We're starting to build that. That twice a month, you're going to have more journalistic side of what we're doing locally in in Florida. And I thought, hell yeah, to get you two on there. And trust me, Maddie's been in the back of my head this whole conversation. I had to drop his name. And fuck yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. It is funny. The first time I met him, it was like, wait, your name is Matt. You have a crazy beard. My name is Matt. I have a crazy beard. You're in a fine wine. I'm in a fine wine. You're also really into craft beer. I'm also really... (laughs) Yeah, you guys are. You're like, am I supposed to immediately move out of Florida and go back to New England? Like, is there only room for one of us? Um, Oh, yeah, he's he's awesome on that. Yeah, I love that spot. And I'm so glad he bought it. I'm so glad it didn't close down. I'm glad Parkview became Parkview. So So Norma's just handed us more wine. This is the Great Peddler White (laughs) Blend. Okay. This is a Pinot Gris-based blend. So Pinot Gris is like Pinot Grigio for big kids. Mm -hmm. It's more mineral-driven soil. Uh, just like I'm sure the all the brewery guys who are listening right now know that you know different soil types will take the same hop profile and, and you know same hop and change up the profile the flavor profile a little bit. Uh, we're doing the same thing with grapes. So Pinot Gris with some Viognier, Gewurztraminer, and Riesling. This is that's, like our patio. That's bottle. it, right? Um, no glass required for this. Just drink directly from. The oh bottle. yeah, this is a bottle drinker for sure. Right. Um, oh man, that just hurts. the slightest bit of residual sugar in this, just for that tiny bit of sweetness. Yet it finishes dry. Um, it's a very polite way of saying it's for that one girl who shows up at the party who only drinks Moscato. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, uh, when you said Gertz, I mean, yeah, I, uh, you don't get much of that unless you know you're buying something from Germany for a high price. But we actually have a Gewurztraminer coming. That we did really uh, yes nice mm-hmm. it's technically in our wine club now because um, I know Oregon makes some good ones out yeah. of the Hillsborough area um, is just oh see, yeah so we've been, of we've been working a lot in the Chelan Lake region of mm-hmm. the Columbia River Valley mm-hmm. in Washington and Chelan Lake is this ridiculously like cool lake um, kind of this just north south really long 
but around as you go around the lake you can literally touch on every wine region in the world just they have all these little microclimates and you can hit burgundy style grapes you can hit bordeaux style grapes so awesome you can hit german style grapes you can hit italian and spanish style grapes and then down like the southern side is a lot of marijuana apparently i wouldn't know anything about that but i'll go get so that you can, like literally just you know. drive around <laughs> and, and hit you know hit it all up um so it's been a neat place for us to go and it's a lot of these small kind of independent growers uh, a lot of them don't even make their own wine so that's been fun to be able to kind of go and get to work with folks like that but yeah, the grape peddler is cool. The whole so concept good. with this, the grape peddler project outside of the mm. Quantum Leap label was to just have inexpensive, easy drinking wines that you could, you know, use at a party, but any wine snob friends you had would still be like, all right, this is cool. I can see what else that yeah. Quantum Leap is doing. Yeah. Um, not kind of sacrificing our own values for, uh, you know, for the sake of volume, but, you know, dialing, dialing some of the, uh, the snootiness down just a little bit to get that volume up. How's that go here? Um, now we are in close to the Winter Park area mm -hmm. or, you know, College Park. Um, how's the snootiness level on a, like, now I can't say regulars, because the regulars get to know you guys yeah. and realize we're geeking, right? Right. And right. it's more that, but how the does that handle is, here is, in this is area? the hardcore uh, snobbery factor yeah. of, of wine. Um, they're still a little hesitant about us. Of course. Because we're in Florida, and how is that even possible? If I get them through the door, if I get them out at an event somewhere, I get them over at Hourglass, whatever, they're usually like, Oh, oh! Yeah. Wait a second, and they end up becoming wine club members and great supporters of the brand. Yeah, they embrace it. They embrace it. But I'll admit that I mean, me personally, and I'm sure when the owners listen to this, they're going to go, "You're killing an entire demographic." But uh, me personally, I'm I'm not look I'm not chasing the old white man money. No, the old white man's going to die soon, and that's going to leave the rest of us. And that's that's where my demographic is. See, I feel it's that same to way. Get that, I do. It's trying to, to, to let's take the, the stupid snooty factor out of wine. Mm -hmm. It's a farmer's product. It's a, it's a farmer who grows a grape, who's really passionate about how his fruit comes out when he grows it. It's no different than anyone who grows anything who's passionate about what they do. And then that passionate person decides that there are certain passionate people, winemakers, that will be worthy of using mm -hmm. their fruit. And then another passionate person takes it and then ultimately sells it to another passionate person who gives it to a passionate consumer. Exactly. Why can't we just be all about the passion? I could, Why can't we keep all I could of that going? tell so. you right now, Wine Spectator in 20 years from now is going to be like maximum rock and roll. It's just yeah. going to be oh, once, once yeah. the money starts to calm down and it's not about that senior editor, whoever's yeah. like in his 60s right now going, oh, please, Washington still doesn't have what it takes. You know, screw right. that. Yeah. Like, and honestly, the, there's, it, la, like it is... 2016, the top 10 um, most expensive American wines sold at auction. Only one of them was not from Washington State. Get out. That's kind of rad. I mean, that's, that is the, the future is getting into some of these other areas. Napa's still going to do amazing wine, but Napa real estate has gotten very expensive. And too expensive. Yeah, Way too and, expensive. And we're at the point where, you know, Napa fruit is in some cases $20,000 a ton. Jesus. And so, I mean, you're, you're automatically in the $200, $300 price point for a bottle. So what we try to do is, is work with a lot of these other folks who are, you know, uh, if they're not kind of the old school, hippie, organic, or sustainable farmer, they're kind of the up and coming folks. We've been getting into a lot of new regions. So, 
you know, nobody's really working in that Shellon Lake region, Columbia River Valley. Right. Um, I'm in the uh, Ancient Lakes AVA, which is another sub-region of the Columbia River Valley. Mm. Um, I'm in little outlying areas in northern Italy that wouldn't get to be called Chianti or right, Valpolicella right. Okay. Or, or whatever. I'm in uh, the Devon Valley, a little sub-region of Stellenbosch in South Africa. Yes. Uh, we, we've been playing around in Paso Robles. Paso's, you know, really neat thing. So we're working yeah, with good Paso wind going through and there. all of a sudden Wine Spectator yeah. that you mentioned comes out with this whole article about how Paso Cab is the next big thing. And we're like, well, sweet, we've already got that. Yeah, exactly, um, right, you yeah. Know, and, and then, and honestly, bringing somebody like Norman who worked in that area mm -hmm. and has kind of a knowledge of the dirt there taking the cellar master out and literally letting him walk the dirt there so that he can get a feel for what that region is going to is going to produce is, is kind of the secret to it. Uh, there's a band from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Arches of Loaf, and they mm -hmm. had a song, um, Greatest of All Time, off Vivi, and it says the underground is overcrowded. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely about music, about the bands, right. you know, Alias signing to Elektra at that time, and it was like, how was a label signing to WIA like that and you know it did well but they still got to keep their contract I think that's what's what's right now so big in beer even though it's still so minuscule to what AB has and fuckums uh, we're looking at we are getting so overcrowded that we're we're just handing beers now I, I love getting beers from breweries uh, you know once it's off the record off the mic we're done we're talking right. they give us some bottles we share Right. We want to make this underground so overcrowded that we are like a zombie apocalypse with great craft beer walking around saying, here, you got to try this, you got to try that, da-da-da-da. It's Absolutely. almost like a musical. We're like, da-da-da-da, yeah. trying this, and it's that's awesome. The, that's the best we have that part energy. about, you know, the kind of the overcrowding or whatever of the beer scene. One, it's not overcrowding. The more breweries open, yes. as long as they're all good. If you have 10 breweries open on one street, as long as all 10 are good, that will help all 10 mm -hmm. grow and get bigger because it will become a destination. Well, let's talk about where we are right now. Oh, so. I've okay, so red light, red light red down. Red light, red light. Not even a mile away. Which, you know, somewhere between mad scientists and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, right, right. Like, what else can we throw into a beer? But God, I love a friend does. Comes out awesome. Yeah. But that's also because they had that experience of being such the hardcore craft beer bar. Exactly. Forever. Now, granted, he was brewing at home and doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. uh, Tej, the the old uh, yeah. you know bartender over there, lives literally in my backyard. Oh, does he and, really? And he's like awesome. Right behind us. Okay, and good. So Tej would bring me things that they'd been brewing over there like before they were actually That's brewing right. that were just killer. So, but they had that experience of having access to all of those crazy beers and knowing what what where the game was going. Right. Then you've got. You know, nope. Well, let's now. Next would be you. I mean, Brass right, Tap. Okay. Well, where right, are we? Where we'll are we? Where are we? Is Brass Tap? I'm looking. Yeah, brass Tap's across. Across. But, cross, I mean, they yeah. got a great yeah. tap list. They have they an do. amazing they do. tap and list. Honestly, the kids who work there are amazing. Amazing, and, right? You know, are always pulling out, uh, you know, new things and then doing, like, little mini tap takeovers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, love what they're doing. And you can go over there at, like, 1130 in the morning for, like, a, you know, we do a lot of our, we'll do sales meetings over there or whatever. But you can go over at 1130 in the morning and the one kid on knows everything about every beer on that list. I love that. That's, yeah. that's obviously, you know, that's... And that's our cider's on there. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So then you got you. All right. Well, I, you you okay. have to be in there. Yeah, you are. You're on Barley Row. Um, yeah. So you are. And, and then, then what? 1010. Right so, there next door to you. Know, fantastic and constantly evolving. And, you know, 
what was the one, the, the Green Cathedral? Oh, Green last Cathedral week. last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Holy oh, shit, like, that I'm was unbelievable. Done. I'm never drinking again. I'm yeah, I know. That. Okay, <laughs> great to hear <laughs> that you loved Thank it. Thank you. Uh, Only got two of those. Mike drop. Yeah. Mike, Mike yeah. Drop. That was unbelievable beer. That so, was an unbelievable so beer. And then Nora's. Uh, yeah, yeah Nora's they're still bottle shopping, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Weird little like hangout, smoke a cigar in somebody else's living room place. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally what it is. Um, um, and then we have uh, Topher. Yeah, Topher, and then GB. I, I right kind of got to throw Topher and GBs together. You have to. They have never to. have the same stuff on it. Is that time. crazy? Yeah. So you will never. It's like I think it's planned. But so <laughs> Trace has got like binoculars looking at what Ron's you, doing. You don't. You literally don't go to one without the other yeah. anymore. You go in. You have two here, two here. You two there. I, wait, yeah. my, my, uh, our spouses might be listening. You go in. You have one there and then one there, um, and you know then hide away just for a quickie, and then yeah. you work your way down, and you're on Ivanhoe. And now yeah, got, now you have the uh, hammered. You have the lure. And well, yeah. there's also a brewery opening up uh, Ivanhoe Park. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations to those guys, uh, man. I don't know if you've met them yet. That yeah. Was, well, only through the a, social world of he had a yeah, huge place uh, out the social media. A, I, I say huge, but I mean, he had, a, he had a place with a good following out west, and his wife took a job at Disney. Mm. And so he sold through all of uh, all of his beer at his old brewery out west, and... and uh, had a bunch of big kind of going away parties. They did a bunch of like cool barrel aged things and stuff right for the end. Sold off the equipment and said, "Okay, on to the next journey." And, and came over here and uh, they're they're still. I think they're talking about spring of 2018. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, such a nice dude. If it's who we're talking about, it's yeah. such a nice dude. Um, yeah. And even like uh, looked like a couple of backers who look like really good dudes as well. So good. Uh, really kind of got our fingers crossed for that because it does. The more that you can bring to the neighborhood. The, the bigger that neighborhood comes and everybody gets better. Yeah. And you know what, if somebody's not all that good, you go over as a good neighbor and be like, oh, that's awesome, you should try, uh, you should try cold fermenting that or whatever, you know. And, right, right. And bam, all of a sudden you've, you've you know, changed the whole neighborhood. And it's really, I think, putting Orlando on the map, you know, we joked before about the mouse ears, but there is so much else going on in this town and, you know, the, the beer scene here uh, just really blowing up and, and I think that you know, the more we get, the better it's it's all going to be. I agree. We're all going to going to help each other out. And I'm not plugging my own business at all, but when we have something like Hop On happening, where we could take you to all those places, I think it's just smart. It is extremely you smart. Can, you can and plug away. I think that filled a need in the you know in the market. There were a couple of folks who tried to do it before. Right. Um, and I think it could have succeeded had there been more breweries more and as much awesome as is going on not to say that the old school guys weren't awesome but there just there wasn't enough of it how do you put a tour together and go to you know three breweries that are a 40 minute drive apart Thank from you. each other when being approached it to, to start the business with uh ivan and, and kevin it just came down to holy shit like you get the like right. each episode was like you get everybody you've spoken to and and like, you have to be part of this. I was like, it's a no-brainer. If you want me to help you buy a bus, I will help you buy a bus. Worst Let's case go. scenario, if it doesn't succeed, you can always live in the bus. That is true, and it's a beautiful orange bus. So I love the, the look of that bus. So we've uh, poured to the, the uh, actual just cider now, the hard cider. Yes. Uh, depending on, on what department you're, you are here at the winery, we just refer to it as the base cider. Okay, unless so this is what makes... Right, unless you're the ops guys, because the base cider is not fermented and all of that. I can already see more roll in his eyes, I think. <laughs> uh, but 
so this is the this is the original. This is the cider. This is the one that's always going to be available in the market. Uh, well, the gold medal winner. Other, right, mm -hmm. This is the gold medal medal winner. We may do these other little. Uh, and it's golden like the metal. You know, other uh, flavor variants and whatnot. This is the one that's always going to be on tap, always available, and still our best seller. The best part about this God, so cider good. project uh, and. Jill and David, the owners here, kind of given us the green light to just run with it, has been in that just under two years. It's become half of our sales and distribution. So we work with a little distributor called Harvest Moon. And I mean, when I say little distributor, I mean, when they started, it was like, you know, the owner and one employee. And they both drove the van as well. And now they've grown. And I'm not saying it's just because of us, but no, now they've got, you know, this item that has really helped drive sales and open new doors for them and whatnot. So it's, it's, this one is definitely something we're probably the most proud of. God, yeah, I remember trying this for the first time. I was like, wait, what? This is made here? That's right, it's the it's a baby shower. Baby shower? Baby shower, and you know, that's what you do at a baby shower. There's so oh, forget it, I was so nervous to talk to you after I tried it. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck, he's in the same room and something tells me we're gonna wind up hanging out the whole night. And I was like, oh man. So many different styles of cider out there and you know, I like to say that you know what I'm doing with the cider is different than anybody. I mean, you got New England style, you've got European style, you've got Spanish style ciders um, and they're all different even American style ciders are different and I just literally took as much of a winemaking approach to this cider as possible and I wanted it to be balanced and when you're making a wine you want it to be balanced you don't want it to be over sweet you don't want it to be over tart you know so to hit that middle point um, just it's pleasing to the palate I wanted it you know you to try it up front and it's amazing and it finishes with a little bit of tartness that makes you want to go back and drink more mm -hmm. you know drink more drink more um, most ciders that you get out there I'm not going to mention any names they tend to be overly sweet you know you drink one of them and you're like okay I'm done drinking cider now yeah. let's get something else that's where I started really in my beer drinking it was cider mm -hmm. in my Tampa days um, so just something that's more wine-like, um, yet a cider um, to kind of bridge that gap, you know, of the wine lover, the beer lover, the the cider lover. You know, it's kind of all there, yeah. and I think everybody could drink this, and and that's where I wanted to go with it. I think that's why it's done so well. Um, it is done really well. Um, of course, you've got your people that, believe it or not, say, "Oh, well, it's it's sweet, and and it's really not sweet." Um, you've got your people that say it's too dry, and it's don't really not too dry. Don't let untapped affect you. I know. Well, <laughs> don't let. No. Untapped is a great resource, but let's not. Uh, and it, you, know. It, you know, some people take it as their worst enemy or their best friend, and yeah. you know, honestly, make it your best friend. It 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 is eighty percent your best. It is a great, great resource. It is, and I yeah. I love using it in my own personal life, and I love. I need to start you using know, more. Uh, keeping track of of what folks think of our our ciders. Mm -hmm. Please check it in more because I'm getting like one a day, and I know there's more of it being consumed. I oh, there's the a lot reports, more, being, yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's that occasional person. I know the brewers feel the same way. There's that occasional guy, and you're just like, why do you even own a phone? Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, so then you like click on him, and you're like, okay, this guy uh, just rated uh, Shock Top five five. Crimes. Right, you <laughs> see that? What the hell's uh, going on there? You know, so uh, yeah, but. I always see Norm kind of looking at it, looking at it, going, "Oh well, don't let it affect you, man. Just well, keep making I, your thing." You know I don't, and I, I and I keep it up. And one of the best resources that we had was 1010 when we started doing this because I literally did a, a test over there, and um, we did uh, samples uh, with little 
forms that people like could a, fill a, out. Nice, yeah. We had like yeah. a questionnaire. A questionnaire yeah, of what would you people like thought it of it. You have to. Or would you like it sweeter or this and that? Uh, I mean, we kind of said, screw it, just did our own way anyway. But, I mean, it was nice. <laughs> Got a lot of good feedback. Oh, good, but that's, good that's it, and that, right? that kind of, you know, made us feel like, all right, this is the right move to make, not to make it overly sweet, not to do all that, but to actually back sweeten a tiny bit. A tiny bit, it does get back sweetened. Um, but you kind of you know, need to with cider. I, you need it to have. Yeah, I was going to say, I can see know. where people think it's sweet because they're not maybe used to it. Right. Now, if you're having a, I'll say the names of like a woodchucks, uh, yeah. whatever the fuck it is. I don't even right. know. Angry Matt. Orchard. Yeah, Angry Orchard. Oh, God. Okay, where you go? Angry Orchard. Let's just put them up there. Um, somebody right now that goes, ugh, I can't drink Angry Orchard. This, the, I don't drink cider. You're not drinking cider, people. You're drinking Kool-Aid. Like, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There so, goes, there goes if you Sam hate Adams cider, episode of What Ails Your yep. Podcast. Sorry. Did it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it comes down to that though. It comes down to the, you're not drinking cider. Right. You want to drink a cider? This is where you drink it. You drink it from the geekage. Right. You drink it from the science, and right. you drink it from the. Oh, like this is what it's I meant can't to tell taste you like. How much green uh, green bench that I drink? The like I go to over to barley and vine, and they've got the the coffee cider right mm -hmm. now. Like, oh my god! Like, guys, if you're listening. Please, I'm gonna do something. We got this great roaster here called Lineage. I'm gonna do like espresso, but I, I'll, I'll tip my hat to you. It was amazing. Thank you. I yes, try those guys Chris do is a doing great really. Job He's out doing there. something like that over there. Doing so many cool things. Love and, it. Love that. You know, and, and the fact that there's actually kind of like this super secret cider scene in Florida is so cool. It's so and, cool, and right? We're, we're so like desperate to like get to geek out with those guys and do some sort Dude, of I you know, I adore everybody you know, over some there sort of collaboration so. and, and but even uh, you know there's there's other there's other folks out there that are that are doing it and that's just been a lot of fun to see uh, you know what's kind of going on with it and also again the geekage as you say love that geekage taking that approach to it and taking that you know, let's really get into like what makes this product right I mean, we, I, the whole idea of snobbing of it, reason why is that we take it personally sometimes. It's our palate. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a, yeah. it, it's okay to feel, feel snobbish about it. If someone doesn't like something I'm tasting, I go, all right, well, fuck it, man. Sorry. But no, <laughs> I, 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 like, don't take it personal. Don't. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it is, like, we kind of announced that we're doing video. Well, I'm posting the video today. God. Grant me that serenity. I can't do it. I hate my face on, on the internet. But um, we oh, are going to do more video. So when we do video, it's going to be, we want to talk about how these beers, we want to kind of talk about them and not review them. Mm -hmm. My palate is so different from you guys. So why? Well, obviously you. Well, but. Shit. But, how do I remember okay, everything I've so ever maybe tasted? I think if, if I'm following, not review them, it lays in like not rate them. You don't rate them. Still don't talk rate about it. This. Still talk, talk about, about it. Things that you're, you're experiencing and, and yeah. you know, and, and what you're, the you're tasting. Because honestly, a lot of that is right or wrong. Right. I mean, it, there, exactly. There are certain you know, uh, esters that have been volatized that, that are coming out and literally will taste, you know, to everyone like the same thing. And then it's just a matter of kind of training your palate to pick right. up on those. When things. you go on untapped and you give something one star, it tastes like shit. That's not a review. Oh my no, God. no, but that's not. right. Just don't check it in. Just don't check it in then, mm -hmm. because if if you can't put the right. notes, if you can't say um, not the full body that I expected of the right. hops of this and then the, the acidity, you know, then, then drop it, drop it, drop had, it. There was a beer one time from Ten Ten, and I was I was just being quick and I just wanted to check it in. I just needed that number, right? And I didn't give it any stars. I, I didn't 
it wasn't like one star. It just didn't, I just checked it in. It had nothing. Usually my, I write out like, you know, aromas of this. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like you I'm have still to, writing yeah. the back of a wine label. And I just didn't write it, I just checked it in. 10 minutes, Horace texts me. Did you like the beer? Oh. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was awesome. I'm so, oh, I, I didn't even realize I did that. Like, and that's the thing is I think these people don't realize is that when you check something in, one star, it sucks. Even if you're saying Bud Light sucks, one star, there is someone on the other end who put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. And sees that and, and just goes, it. and just goes, well, now our rating just went down based right. on what the hell just happened to you. Right. Was it a bad day? Right. And that's the thing. You, if you're having a bad day, right. chances are you're going to give a bad rating. Like things like that. Like people need to take into consideration blood, oh, no. sweat, I'm and a bad tears. Day and I have an amazing beer. It's a five. There you go. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that Bud Light just yeah. became a five. <laughs> I can actually say, I've never had a Bud Light. In Good my for entire you. Life. I, I had one Budweiser product in my entire life. Mm. I needed a recommendation. I was in some little, uh, some little beer shop, or it was actually more of a wine shop, but they had beer. And I asked the guy in the beer department, I said, I got a, a girl who needs a blueberry beer, and they gave me that Wild Blue, which is a Budweiser product. So that is the only Budweiser product I have ever consumed. I'm very proud of that. Uh, He's a Miller guy. Okay. I've, consumed some things, I've consumed some things that have since been sold to Budweiser. Uh, sure. But I'm still counting it as got in under the uh, under the wire there. Um, but that's a, to me. There's just there's so much good. We're beer rounding out there. third. Here yeah. it comes. So All much right. good beer out there. So All as right. we try our last, Kaylee's um, Rescue Red. Oh, so this is oh yeah. Our, this is our flagship. This is our right. Flagship so let's right. talk as we round right third. Now, Tempranillo, it, Merlot, Malbec, and Sangiovese. Little baby splash of DNA in there. Oh. The name comes from Kaylee. She is the alpha pup here. We have about Yay. 19 dogs that will work with us during the week. Um, if you're a, a listener and you want to come in and grab a glass, you can bring your dog. It's okay because we don't do food. Please I'm do. an idiot. I'm an idiot because yeah. that was going to be a huge part of this conversation. <laughs> so, so as we round third, let's not yeah. talk about the future. So of course we will. Kaylee's Rescue Let's Red. talk about the puppies. Uh, yeah. One of our wines that we um, donate a portion of the proceeds to the Pet Alliance. Of right. Woohoo. The Pet Alliance is a charity that is very near and dear to our hearts. We, I'm getting goosebumps even talking oh, about it. Oh, you're going to make they're, me cry. They're amazing. they're amazing people. So we yes. have three wines here. Uh, Kaylee's Rescue Red, Panther's Tail for the cat people, yes. and then my best friend, which is uh, part of a contest we do where folks will get their, uh, their rescue on the pet on yeah. the label for the year. Um, we've been able to raise close to $100,000 for the pet in the last three years. Good. Thank uh, you. Wow. This is something that, that we're constantly working on is trying to figure out how to just get them more money because they're a, a great charity. Well, here you go. Can uh, I drop some names? Yeah. Kristen Flood over at Parkview. Mm -hmm. She is a volunteer there. And my wife, Jillian, does photography for them. Mm -hmm. So when you go on their website and you see the pictures of the dogs, mm -hmm. any video, mm -hmm. that's Jillian's work right there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I love Pet Alliance, so. Cheers to both of them. I mean, yeah. thank you for doing that, that volunteer work. Um, I love them. They can always use more volunteers. Exactly. They can always use more money. They can always use more stuff. I mean, you, you know. Dog you, toys or right, things. Right, switching dog food brands and, yes. and the dog doesn't Which like the should. old brand anymore. Just bring it down there. Yeah, uh, anything with corn or China. If you can't bring it all the way down on Millennia, bring it here. We'll bring it down there. Yeah, yeah bring it to the winery. We'll bring yeah. it here. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, please do. They're, they're a really big deal for us, so. Kaylee is um, one of the owners, Jill's dog here. So oh, that's why sweet. it's okay. part of my employment that I call her the alpha. Um, but yeah, so this is definitely our flagship. We always have a Kaylee's Rescue Red. The grapes come from different places at different times, different blends at different times, but it's always going to taste pretty much the same way. 
fruit forward, oak influenced, dry in the finish. Love My fish smell. Love this one. You drink those sweet, fruity, soft red blends, I hook you because it's fruity up front. Really back in. So this is big, bold definitely a wine where the science comes about because mm -hmm. we do use different regions. Our next one is going to be from the Paso Robles area. This one is yes. from the Columbia, Columbia Valley yeah. area in Washington. Um, so, you know, just to, to be able to uh, have all the palettes that I do, including Matt, you know, we've got we've got Jill and David and Chris and Jen, and we all get together and taste these um, and come up with the blends. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I've got to know, you know, what it's going to be like after it ages for a little while. So to, to, to match that with the, the different variances um, from the different areas is, is a lot of fun. It's something that I love doing. I love doing blending. I love doing lab work. Um, I love the lab. I love it because yeah. it's so smart. I mean, you need it here. You really do. Oh, we have to have it you here. Have I to mean, have it it's, here. it's something that we have to track all the time. I'm doing volatile acidities, pHs, um, TAs, uh, free. Uh, SO2s, uh, you name it. You know, I'm running tests to make sure that these wines are are aging correctly. Right. Uh, we're constantly doing uh, tasting to make sure everything's aging correctly, to make sure everything's up to par. Um, uh, but this wine in particular is one that we take very seriously, yeah. and uh, we do probably about five or six different tastings of about 10 to 12 different blends on this before we come up with the blend that we think is close enough and then uh, we run with Holy it cow. and uh, then we decide you know hey how far do we want to go in the oak with this how far do we want to do that you know because then we, we then have to age it and get it ready for the bottle the following year I'm always two years ahead of myself on I love that on I mean, red wine this is so. always uh, I feel with beer wine it is a chess game you're looking over the and you just have to plan each like three moves ahead of time to make sure exactly am i going to be okay it's july let's say let's pretend it's july how am i going to look for november december maybe even you know going into april uh same thing with this podcast i mean honestly we're doing stuff going into april it's like oh my god we did we expect it no i thought i was gonna have to go week by week to say all right so let's reach out and it's been insane like a lot of breweries reaching out it's like a chess game where now i have this bus and i love it i love it um Anybody that, or what is the future? I want to say anybody that we would collab with, but what is the future of, of Quantum Leap? What are we seeing in the next year? Is there stuff that... I would say the next year you're going to, you know, we've pretty much nailed down five ciders now. Um, uh, staying consistent with those we're five. We're going to stay consistent with right. those five ciders. Um, I'd say as far as the future as the cider goes, uh, packaging. You know, nice. we're going to be looking okay, at packaging. Good. Right now we're just doing stuff in keg. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we are doing some packaging for the tasting room, um, and it is primarily going to be available in the tasting room. But can Harvest does Harvest Moon help out with any of that, like distributing? Like maybe can they do any? Will there be any bottling or anything like that coming up in the future? We we do plan on uh, doing some bottling. Honestly, at the volume that I'm, that I'm at right now, sales wise, uh, keg is still my best option. It is. I mean, I do some hand places. bottling runs and sell that just here not into distribution mm. um, excellent and you want people to come in here well, we right. want them to have them to stay here you want them to come yeah. in here yeah um but honestly it's also about being able to control the volume that goes out so right now um one of the things and i don't know if we've touched on it at all but uh, pretty much everyone who works here is some level of certified macgyver so counter pressure bottle filler you've seen that cool little rack they've got a crooked can where they can do yep. their, their cage yep. and cork bottles those things are like eight grand. Mm -hmm. So Norm and Chris go over to Skycraft and for like 600 bucks, build us one. Holy shit, uh, really? Now, yeah. we've got, now we've got two of them. Um, 
but he, they, they build a lot of our own equipment. That's awesome. And so uh, we can do them, but it takes a long time. So we're talking about, you know, with setup time, breakdown time, and actual labor time, we're talking two to three days to do a pallet. Yeah. And that's not cost effective. No. The counter pressure bottle filler attachment for our bottling line is about $120,000. Also not cost effective. So I need to keep selling more, build those relationships in the market for the draft business, and then get to reinvest. Um, I feel like that will happen. I feel like that will happen soon. Right. I use right. the I use bunny ears when I say soon because uh, that in the business world soon, not in the consumer world right. soon. Right. Um, right. But I feel like that'll happen soon because uh, just we were able to pay off the initial investment in cider in the first like three, four months of selling cider. So, and we did a pretty hefty investment into the products and things to make the cider. That's incredible. So, uh, it, it's taken off that fast and it's been growing so well that, you know, I know that we will be able to get there. Um, we've looked into canning, we've run into some issues where they have to be lined cans. Um, if I was going to do that, it's like 20,000. Yeah, you got to buy $20,000 worth of cans. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah you know, so right. that's, a, yeah. that's a pretty big jump right there. Looking at GB doing the growler. the canning line, and Forget you know, then, you know, I'd probably want to do wine in the can, too, so I definitely want to make sure that... Uh, I know, would love they're, to they're see you guys do a wine in a can, too. I'd love to do it. I mean, yeah. this is this is a, a yeah. beach state. It is. So it you can't so bring glass sense. on the beach. Yeah. You know, and then so. there's also some carbon footprint things for us in that, you know, every decision that we make here has to have that carbon footprint involved. So like even with the apples, you know, crushing the apples elsewhere and bringing it in as concentrate in order to, you know, in certain cases, in order to uh, just lower that carbon footprint, anything that we can do, we, we can't pitch an idea to the owners without having the carbon footprint involved in it right. when we pitch it to the owners. And uh, while that, that's an added step and obviously some red tape for us, it, it's just staying true to our values mm -hmm. as a company and, and not saying like, oh, well, you know what, the cider thing's doing great, so screw all of that, let's just, let's just make some money. And uh, it's definitely not about the money for us. It's, it's about that kind of passion, about keeping that, that carbon footprint low. Obviously, money would be nice, but uh, there are more important things to us right You're now. You're out there. Company. I mean, you guys are really out there. It's amazing that, again, you are the most mentioned <laughs> on this podcast, like everywhere we went. And it's almost like, all right, Central 28. Like, if you yeah. go down the list, I mean, yeah. it goes down. Every time I go to a brewery, it's like, there's Bottom Leaf's name. It's awesome. It yeah. is awesome. And everybody loves you when I say the whole, oh, how's the quantum leap doing? Oh, my God, I love those guys. It's not like how the cider is doing. It's, right. oh, my God, I love those guys. And even having somebody from Brass Tap and Brandon yesterday, um, Becca was here, and she was just like, all right, what is this quantum leap? What do I have to try? Da, 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 da. And it's just, like, crazy to go to GB and see, like, there you go. You guys have your right. own tiles yeah. off from the, the, the draft tile list. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like they even have your own tiles yeah. there with your names on it. Um, last question. Can we ever make a, a Shankly Shiraz? Because they both, you know, Shankly's my puppy. Yeah. No, we don't have to. Um, I'm kidding. But uh, I just thought Shankly Shiraz rolled off the top. I would say uh, maybe a Shankly Syrah. <gasps> okay. But so, uh, Shankly's same, like... Same grape, slightly different style. I think uh, Norm, right, that's, Norm's what is... hand is a lot more delicate and wouldn't be as in your face as a Shiraz. So the Shiraz would, would be more be what? More like elegant. Yeah, Africa we do, we do, or like... No, no, Syrah, uh, right now we're working, 
in Columbia Valley. So Norm's got them co-fermenting with a little splash of Viognier. A little bit so of Viognier the there. Co-fermenting is so much different than just blending. It's a very risky process. You crush together based on weight and go through fermentation together. You have to nail it in order to get it right, uh, to get the flavors right. The Syrah has been a, a massive staff favorite here. Um, oh, really? The previous, vi- the previous vintage, <laughs> one of the owners went, you know, he, he came in, he's like, has anybody tasted that, uh, that 2012 Syrah recently? And we're like, yeah, it's doing really good. He was like, yeah, I had it last night. Hey, listen, just get everything we have in the building and put it on a pallet, and I'll give you my credit card. And he just bought the rest of he it. He just bought the uh, rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the 13's <laughs> been doing well. Uh, Norm's got to do inventory. That's like the worst one to have to count because, like, geez, where did all of that go? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we can give you something. No, I was we kidding. I was kidding. Something. I just love saying that because no, honestly, it is such a dog friendly place. Yeah. Uh, are you the only one without a, a dog, Matt? Are you the only um, one? No, actually, uh, Morgan, okay. who was just dipping in and out, who's uh, she's behind the bar that kept coming in. Uh, tasting room uh, person. Um, she and I are the token cat people. Okay, here. as well as David. As I always uh, yeah, have been. Right. David, David, one of the owners. He's a cat guy, so that's okay. where Panther's tail comes from. Um, but I will that's say, right. uh, and actually, Donna, who does some, uh, who does some, she does some work in the tasting room for us. But she does a lot of behind the scenes, like she's a numbers wizard. Um, she just adopted a kitty not too long ago. Yeah, if you oh, put, if you I love put me, Donna, and Morgan together, we have more cats than this winery does dogs. Nice. There you go. So there you we're, go. We're kind of crazy cat people. Oh, man. Uh, and you just had a crazy cat story happen yeah, three, yeah, four weeks yeah, ago. Oh, you lost one, and then he came back from the dead. That was it was the weird. weird. I get to work, and there's Sadmith, and I look at him, and I go, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I have no idea. I had to reread the post. Like, yeah, you have to times. reread it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's so funny. Um, guys, this has been unreal. Unreal. Excellent. Uh, this is a totally different episode, and I think uh, it wasn't. Dude, you it make felt it out of so here real. Okay? There's a lot of glasses around here. I actually, yeah. yeah. With All me, right. just check. With my wine check. tastings, I'm always like, I love Bring it. Bring it on. Oh, right. God, I love them. Right. I love them. And it's early yeah. enough where I'm not like getting tired through the day. I'm still like hyped. So well, and so your audience doesn't think you're like just always hammered. You oh yeah, yeah. Um, the entire pour. Yeah, and you know, I think they do get it when I go, "Hey, Brennan," but Brennan's not here, so it's like I'm drinking for two today. There you go. One. You I'm go. drinking for one. Guys, awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank Seriously, you. Thank you so much. It's been the best. So, all right. Um, I guess I'm doing the outro. Today. Holy cow. Um, so I, I know I posted a picture uh, last week. Um, go back to our Instagram. Go back to our Instagram and our Facebook. I posted a picture of going when we kind of ended. I think that was when we ended the the wines and the, the cider um, tastings. And holy shit. That, that, that picture is only half of it. So you heard us. We, we probably tasted 10. 10 to 11, 12, I don't know, uh, different ciders and wines. And that was awesome. I have to say thank you to those guys, uh, Norman and Matt, you guys are amazing. Um, great hospitality. I, I, I walked in and it was almost like I was going on a, a commercial film shoot where the, the, the glasses of wine were there. And then you kind of see this quiet on the set kind of thing. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. This is awesome. We're going to be, drinking a lot and i gotta tell you guys um that that 
their ciders are insane, uh, are the best. And I'm glad because people always do tell us when uh, they see us out, what cider should we be drinking and blah, 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 blah. And really you don't get many from the breweries. So when you're able to have something like Quantum Leap, something that Norman is making in Matt's tasting, it's, it's, it's insane to me. So uh, it was great to actually be able to sit down and, and, and hang out with them. So huge thank you. I know it's a little longer episode again, but you know what? I, we have not gotten any flack from the, the brew pop episode. In fact, people are saying that last hour that, that nor that um, Jerry gets into in the brew pop episode is huge. And thank you. Uh, we kind of let him speak freely and that's what we want with these, these episodes. So, and here we have Norman and Matt telling it like it is of what it's like to be here as a winery in Florida why but not at all it's, it's a beautiful thing and they are doing it fantastic fantastic over there again quantum leap winery god i i, I can't get enough i really can't and uh i i'm so sad i sent a picture of brennan and the whole thing was fucking jealous i sent him a few photos of all the classes that were there and i got i got that and i was just like yeah this kind of sucks on your end dude it's it it was a it was a crazy crazy morning so um again uh Norman Saley, Matt Uva, I love you guys. Uh, everything that is going on over there, Jill and David, that they're doing over at Quantum Leap. Guys, you're not going to stop hearing their name on this this podcast at all. So uh, if this wasn't your episode, you're going to hear it more. And wine insiders should be. I mean, they go hand in hand. We learned that a few weeks ago. But now we really kind of perfected that. And this, this one was an eye-opening episode for me. And I, I loved it. I loved it. So much beer has been going on in the last few uh, months, months, seven months, and being able to do this was pretty freaking rad. So I was really happy with it. Um, you got to know these guys, and uh, sad myth. I'm so proud that that's family right there. I love Matt. I love Matt and Leah. They're they're a great couple. And uh, Norm, you're part of the family. Thank you, thank you. And I hope somewhere there, sad myth will put a Norm from Cheers. Uh, guys, I have to again thank uh, Norm and Matt, Jill, David over there at Quantum Leap. I want to thank you guys for uh, being patient with us with last week. I promise you again, we are not going to deny you an episode. Hell no. In fact, uh, again, I drove I drove out. I drove out back to the West Coast, and uh, I met a legend, the, the one, the only, the man, the myth, uh, Bob Sylvester, guys. Uh, I don't give away what's coming up next, but I have to tell you, this is going to be an amazing episode as well. So I really feel if we, we did justice to the wine insiders, we're a about to get funky in the next one with Saint Somewhere. So uh, that was an amazing experience. Uh, learned a lot, a lot with Bob. Uh, really cool, really cool episode. Just just shot the shit for an hour or so. And it was, it was what I was really kind of hoping, having a beer with the man and just getting to know him, him. So I don't want to give anything away. Uh, guys, again, uh, your host, Brian Quain. Jeff Brennan somewhere out there in the north um, where I'm going. I'm actually going to Wisconsin in the next few days. Uh, my brother there of Jonathan Solari is getting married. So uh, I've known this kid probably se- uh, 17 years and he's getting married and uh, my best friend in the world. And I'm so proud of him. So I love you, Jonathan. And uh, going to Wisconsin. So if there's any Wisconsin beers you guys want, I'll be uh, tasting them on the air. We're not really sharing, I guess. Um, but uh, so huge thanks to Sadmith for editing. Uh, thank you for that. Also, uh, definitely to Jillian 
Uh, she's been doing great with some other designs, uh, working with other people. Uh, things are going really good, really good on our end. So uh, expect another shirt coming out soon because we are we are making that and we want that out. Uh, yeah, on that, I guess we will see you next week. Thanks, guys.